0: Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for tonight. God, we thank you for um, what you've been doing in us. Lord, individually and corporately, Lord, we're so grateful. We are so thankful that we have a house of prayer. Lord, that it's a gift to the city we live in. We know that, Lord. And we thank you that you use these places to shift the atmosphere over a region And so, God, we pray that you would do all that's in your heart, Lord, through this prayer room that's in your heart for our region. And we just thank you for all the prayer ministries that are rising up um, in the earth, in our region. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you that we hear the bubbling up of this prayer ministry, that prayer ministry, this prayer ministry, that prayer ministry. And Lord, we're just so grateful. And we just pray that you'd fan the flame the fire even more, Lord. And that all of your people would be praying. They would all be found in a praying community. A fiery praying community, Lord. It's like Corey said, Sunday morning only churches, no more. Mm. This is not going to work anymore. We can't prop that thing up anymore. Mm. We need to be in a community, a praying community with your presence. So, Lord, we just thank you, and um, we just receive that word, and we want to be that. We want to be a praying community with your presence at the center. Yeah. And we invite you here tonight, Lord, to be at the center. You would be at the very center, that you'd expand our hearts even as we open up your word. God, you would expand us in our inner man. We would receive what you want us to receive. We would, um, have a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation on us, Lord, even as we move through, um, these notes that you would help us, God, to receive it and to go to another level of depth in you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Does everybody have notes? Okay. Um, so, um... When I started this series on the work of the Holy Spirit, I was thinking eight uh, sessions. (laughs) And this is number seven, and I'm for sure going to do one more, um, possibly two more, but for sure one more after this one. Um, So I'm going to do a little bit of review because I feel like it's the way we remember. (laughs) It's when we kind of go over it again and hopefully get something more on it. So, um, Roman numeral one, um, kind of the main point, right? What the Holy Spirit is doing in us is he's conforming us into the image of his son, right? Jesus is the ideal man. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do is not just give us a little anointing, a little power to little, to do something for him, but he actually wants to transform us into the likeness of Christ. So that we would be Christ to our neighbor, Christ to our sphere of influence. That's a huge statement, and we don't really think about it because we don't really believe it. <laughs> but Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and through me. And we meditate on that verse. It, that is crazy what he's saying. He's like, I don't even live my own life anymore. I'm doing what he says. You know, and that's what Jesus did. He, being the ideal man, right, showing us how to live, said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And that's how we're supposed to live. I only do what I see the Father doing. And so that is what Holy Spirit is doing in each one of us, whether we realize it or not. He's after us to make us like Christ, like for real. Um, so that's the main point. Um, the Holy Spirit possesses us, and we, but we also possess Him. So it's a mutual thing. It's a love story, um, like it says, "Song of Songs." My lover belongs to me, and I belong to Him. I was just thinking this week how um, we can be as close to God as we desire you know, the, the the playing field is level, right, it's level, and so really when it comes down to it, it's like, we decide, I want to love God well, how much can I love God, you know, and we can be the Mary that pours out the ointment on his feet, we can give ourselves to him extravagantly, mm-hmm. um, Nobody can keep us from doing that. Mary did that in front of all the disciples. You know, it wasn't a cool thing. It was frowned upon, right? She was criticized for it, but nobody stopped her. (laughs) And Jesus defended her. And I've just been thinking about that this week. I'm like, because she was a woman, it didn't matter, right? Nobody stopped her. Because she was a sinner, right? People looked down on her because of her lifestyle in the past or whatever. Nobody could stop her, right? There wasn't a devil that could stop her. There wasn't a person that could stop her. She decided, you know, not even probably thought about it. It was just out of her heart. She's like, I'm pouring this out and I'm pouring all of it out. My entire inheritance, break it open, pour it out. Um, so we can just, we can be that and nobody, it's like, I think sometimes in this world because of all of this stuff going on with gender, with race, all this stuff, right? Everyone thinks I'm, I don't, you know, because I'm not this, then I can't get where I need to be, you know, Mm -hmm. because I'm a woman or because I'm this color or because I'm this whatever, right? And it's like, no, the playing level The field is level, right? Because it all is about how much are we going to love Jesus? How much are we going to give ourselves to him? And nobody can stop us from doing that. So that's encouraging because this life is hard when we just look at it on a natural plane, right? But when we see, oh, he's looking at me and I can give him everything. And it will be remembered forever. Whoa, so we all have equal opportunity, right, to give Him ourselves completely. Um, so over the weeks, we've been talking about acquired virtues and infused virtues, and just quick review acquired virtues is after you get born again, right, you get the Holy Spirit, you get a certain grace on your life, and you begin to acquire virtues. You, in other words, you put off the old man. You decide, you make some decisions. You're like, I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to, you decide to be disciplined, you know? And you can do stuff like that out of your will and also the grace of God on you. You can acquire some virtue that you didn't have before. And it's what we're all meant to do as we grow in Christ, right? But we can only go so far with acquired virtue. At some point we need Holy Spirit to infuse virtue and that's kind of the next level up where it's not because of what we did it's just that he came (laughs) you know he came with his presence and gave me something I didn't have and couldn't get myself so infused virtues you know takes you to the next level of um, intimacy with Christ and it can happen if you're a baby Christian as well it can happen at any time but um, it's purely just a work of heaven when he just comes and he infuses something into you that you didn't have before. And it's, it's um, the virtues. It's like he can infuse peace into you. you. You know, when you did not have that before and you were restless, right? Whatever, pressed into God, he can just go boom. And you can just have peace. <laughs> so these are infused. There's infused virtues. Um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and we talked about that uh, Isaiah 11.2 and I put the Catholic domain uh, version in here because they break it out a little bit different than the New King James Um, but it says and the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and fortitude the spirit of knowledge and piety And he will be filled with the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Um, So it's interesting because knowledge and piety, if you look at the New King James, it's more like the knowledge of God and the fear of the Lord. So the knowledge of God could be broken out into the knowledge of God and of godliness. So that's what they're doing. They're kind of breaking that out. But the knowledge of God, knowledge and uh, godliness go together. And you could put them in one, actually, which is, I think it's a good translation how New King James has it. But there is seven spirits of God, right? Because that's in many different Bible verses. And these are the seven spirits that it's referring to, Isaiah eleven two. 2. And so this breaks it out into seven. Otherwise, you're looking at it like the spirit of the Lord would be one. You could look at it like that. That's not wrong to look at it like that. But um, you could also look at it like this. Um, Fear of the Lord. Um, So the first three order the will, our will, and our emotions. And so the whole point of like the gifts of the spirit, right? We have our spirit, which I would say is the higher level of our interior, (laughs) is our spirit, like we're communing with God in our spirit. And then there's our soul, which is like the lower part of our interior, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, our flesh. A lot of times we live out of our soul, and it's not the highest place that we can live from. The Lord wants us to live out of our spirit, right? And he wants these gifts to be so infused and acquired into us that it orders our soul unto him. So these The spirit gifts order the soul to serve and love God the way we're meant to. We want the spirit inside of us to be the strongest part of us, um, not our flesh, not our soul, right? So the first three gifts order our will and our emotions to God. So the fear of the Lord is one of those. Um, It's a fear of being separated from God. It's not servile fear of Punishment as much as I don't want anything to hinder my relationship with God. Um, It's that kind of fear fear of being separated from Him. Um, Divine might this is the gift of the Holy Spirit where the soul can overcome difficulties without number. It's perseverance, it gives strength, um, it gives confidence in the midst of persecution. This is where, you know, Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's fortitude. That's divine might. Um, And the spirit of godliness, um, piety. This is the gift inspired by the spirit of adoption by which we call out God God as our father. So with this gift, the soul can give itself to God um, and to others without measure and good Bible verse for that is and I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls though the more abundantly I love you the less I am loved like Paul saying that to the Corinthians I am glad to be a poured out offering and that's what that spirit of godliness is if you look down to paragraph B under 5 the gift of knowledge it's connected and that's the one where I said that the knowledge of God right or of God and godliness right it's connected to the knowledge of God we look at that one real quick. The knowledge of God is infused virtue whereby we gain we get understanding of heavenly mysteries, um, mysteries between creatures and their creator the per- so the perfection of the gift of knowledge is is found complete detachment. So when we get the knowledge of God, we are um, we are getting such heavenly insight into the mysteries of what he's doing that we detach from the world. We're like, I'm putting this lower stuff away and I'm going after God. Like when we get in the place of prayer where he's starting to unpack the mysteries of his word to you and to your soul, it takes you up. You know, you could call it an ecstasy. You could have an ecstasy in the Lord where you're like, whoa, I'm leaving this lower stuff behind. The things of the world are nothing. I'm going after what God can give me, right? And so it causes you to detach. And um, so perfect, like mature gift of knowledge causes complete detachment. And see how that fits with the spirit of godliness where Paul says, I will gladly be a poured out offering, right? He's so detached. He's like, I'm going to give myself. So those two really go together. And so you could think of them together. Or you can separate them out, kind of like what the Catholic Bible does. Um, but they, they could be one, or they could be you could kind of separate them. Uh, the gift of counsel, um, it's where the Holy Spirit gives us um, help when we need to make a decision, when we need guidance. Um, that's the gift of counsel, uh, the gift of understanding. And so, by the way, the four gifts that pertain to the intellect are counsel, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. So those are the four that order our intellect. So the first three order our will and our emotions. These four order our intellect to God. Um, the gift of knowledge, again, that, that verse where um, in Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, you know, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures concerning himself, right? He just opened up the mystery to them and infused it, really. And they were like, whoa, we're not our hearts burning <laughs> when we were walking on the road with him, right? Yeah. That's infused knowledge. It, it's so powerful when God does that. Um, gift of understanding is the infused virtue that enables the soul to penetrate truth deeply. Um, it's one of the gifts of contemplation. You know, you contemplate the Word of God, it opens up to you. And that's, this is why we want to pray, read the scripture. This is why we want to sing the scripture. It gets into you in a different way. And it begins to open up and we can contemplate things and consider things. And um, yeah, just spend time with a, one verse and go, Lord, open this up to me. The gift of wisdom, this is the supreme gift of all the gifts that pertain to the intellect, and it unifies them all into oneness. For the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And so um, Luis Martinez says the highest degree of the gift of wisdom, souls live as if they're in heaven. It's like when well, you're walking in such intimacy with Christ, um, that's the um, that's the gift of wisdom. And so it's the most powerful of all of the gifts, really. It's the one that takes you up the highest to into Christ, into the heavenly realms. Okay, so um, the new section, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I wanted to get into what are the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and I started on that a little bit before. Um, but bef- um, as I got into that, there's other things also about the Holy Spirit that I wanted to bring out, which is, He's called the paraclete or the consoler, the comforter. Um, The Christian life does not erase suffering, right? Because we're in a fallen world. Um, But rather, God uses the pains to purify our hearts. And he calls us to take up our cross and follow him. Um, He gives us consolation in the pain. That's why he's called the great comforter. Um, you know, Jesus says, I don't pray that you would take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the enemy, you know. Um, even if he keeps us from the enemy, we still have pain, right? Many, many things give us pain. <laughs> many things. Um, but he is he is our our comforter, he is our consolation. Because the Holy Spirit is infinite love, he can console the heart that is filled with pain. Um Knowledge is precious, but it does not console. Only love can console the heart. The Holy Spirit can enfold us in a heavenly manner in such that the pain and joy are intermingled. So you can be in deep pain and filled with consolation at the same time. It's amazing how God does that. Um, I've had times in prayer, personally, where very painful times in the place of prayer, unable to even describe or explain it at all. Um, but somehow I knew he was in it. Mm-hmm. And there was a sense in which I almost didn't want the pain to stop because somehow it was drawing me closer into his heart. Mm-hmm. And so it was this crazy paradox of I'm in a lot of pain, but I don't want it to stop. Only God can do that, you know? And it wasn't like, get me out of this. You know, it was more like, no, I want to stay in this. Um, I don't even know what else to say on that. But there are just places in prayer that are painful, (laughs) dark nights, but the Lord uses them, and he's in them. And when we find Christ in those places, it's precious. Um, They don't last forever either. Uh, uh, For a while I was thinking, oh no, am I just going to live in this forever? Am I going to be in this height of pain for the rest of my life? I really did not know because I don't know the ways of God. I can't see the end from the beginning. I'm learning the ways of God, right, as I go. But, um, you know, someone... Smarter, not smarter, but further along than me that I was talking to. He said, no, you won't always feel this way. This is a season. And that helped me. And he was right. And I was like, wow, he knew. He knew that this season doesn't last forever, that I'll go into a different season. So sometimes we need to know that when we're in a lot of pain in the place of prayer. Um One consolation the Holy Spirit gives to the soul is the joy of freedom. If we are not joyful, it's because we are not free. We carry chains that bind us. Um, And that's why we pray for one another, so that we can break free. We need to pray for one another to break free of chains. We possess God in in the measure that we are detached from earthly things. I think we all kind of realize that. Um, the Holy Spirit gives the consolation of hope when we obey the Lord we have in our heart the substance of things hoped for Hebrews 11 1. we need that so much right now in this world right people don't have hope they're despairing but God is still on the throne and he's going to have the last word <laughs> and evil doesn't win at the end of the day So we have great hope because we know the Lord's coming back and he's going to bring justice, right? Isaiah 42 says, I will not fail and I am not discouraged. He says, I will bring justice. That's what Isaiah 42 is all about. It's powerful. Um, So we can hope in Christ, even if we have to wait, right? And that's the painful part is waiting for him. Let's see. Another consolation the Holy Spirit gives to the soul is that of the joy of suffering. God knows how to exactly proportion the joys and sorrows to bring about His ways in our life. Though we mostly detest the trials that come our way, these same trials help us to detach from the world. They purify us. They cause us to love God without strings attached. They open our eyes to His infinite love for us. At some point, we get to the point where we're saying, it's not my will, Lord, but yours be done, where we no longer are asking for, Lord, can this cup pass? Can this cup pass, right? But we go, okay, not my will, but yours be done, right? That complete detachment and that sense of giving ourselves over to the Lord's will, Lord, whatever you want. Okay, so the fruits of the Spirit that are listed in Galatians, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Okay, the fruits presuppose a level of maturity, right? So when you have a plant and it grows up, it then produces fruit after it grows for a while. That's how the fruits of the Spirit are too. They're not something we can do. They're not, um, like I said, there's the acquired virtues, then there's the infused virtues, then there's the fruits, They could all be called love, right? One, but you could have love as an acquired virtue. Then you could have it as an infused thing. Then you could have it as a fruit. And they'd all be three different types of love. So the the fruits presuppose a maturity. Um, They also produce a sweetness in the interior of your soul. Just like fruit is sweet, the fruits of the spirit also produce a sweetness in your soul. They're very, very sweet, and they're totally from the Lord. You can't do fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit are an outflow of what has already been growing and happening in you. Okay, they're fruits. <laughs> um, let's see. So, I have come into my garden to gather, I gather my myrrh and my spices, right? He says in Song, Songs one. He sees our souls like a garden and he wants to come and pick the fruits. He wants to gather the fruits from our soul. He wants us to be fruitful, right? He wants us to have great fruitfulness. And then he wants to come and pick that fruit. Um, You know, and there's just, I don't know, I just think of like the fig tree, you know, when he came to the fig tree and it had no fruit, you know, and he cursed it, you know, and that was like, a sign for Israel and stuff, but, you know, we want to be fruitful, um, so that he can come and gather the fruit in our lives. So the first fruit is love. Um, love is the virtue. Let's see, when we receive Christ into our heart, right, we're receiving pure love. Okay. By grace, the gift of love is given through the Holy Spirit. Okay. It's first in acquired virtue, like I said, Um, We make choices with the grace of God helping us to love God, to love others. Infused virtue of love is increased by receiving his love in a supernatural infused way. When he imparts into us what he thinks and feels about us. That's an infused virtue of love. When he starts to unpack, oh, he really does love me. Whoa. I mean, Carla was singing about that in the hour before, and it was yeah. it was being infused into our souls as she was singing. Yeah. It was so powerful. Um, when there exists a maturity of the gift of love, then the fruit of love is produced in our lives, right? We manifest the love of God in both loving Him well and loving others well. When there's like a maturity, it just kind of comes out of us. And so those are the three different ways you can think about these gifts and how it how it happens. okay the second fruit is joy when the soul has found union with the beloved the soul rejoices greatly. good song of songs 3 I found him whom my heart loves I took hold of him and I would not let him go right this is the love story we have with Christ um, so why does the soul not feel this joy constantly since the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is permanent? Often the soul has not exercised its virtue because the soul does not fully realize what it possesses. Like we just don't even know what we have. The Holy Spirit's dwelling in the innermost part of the soul. However, the soul sometimes ignores this precious gift on the inside and the Holy One is left there as one unvisited. The Holy Spirit is the great neglected one in many of us. Not only in individuals, but also in His church. At church, sometimes the Holy Spirit is the most neglected one as we go about and do our thing. God help us, you know? He's sitting on the sidelines. One time I saw it as a, like in a parable form, like a basketball game, you know? Basketball game, there's this whole line of guys on the bench and there's the same five guys playing the whole game you know and I saw Jesus on the bench weeping with those who weep and it's like it's not meant to be that way church isn't meant to be five people do everything and everybody else sits on the bench that is not how it's supposed to be you know so um, he's the great neglected one um, you could look at Revelation 3:20 for that Behold, I stand at the door and knock right he's standing at the door of the soul of the believer that verse is two believers i'm standing there he's standing there knocking and he's saying, "Open the door because I want to commune with you. I want to dine with you and you with me. I want to have fellowship with you um so When the soul reaches maturity, then the soul knows fully the joy of possessing God and experiences ineffable joy. So when we grow in this gift, it goes to the heights. Um, And we need to have it be that he's not the unvisited one, that he's deep in our innermost being and we can come down and visit him. And I just think of, right, Zacchaeus, right? He went, Zacchaeus was up in the tree. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. Today I must be at your house. Think of that, him talking to you. Come down, right? He's inside of us. Come down into your interior. Today I'm visiting you at your house. Let's commune. Um, The third fruit is peace. Peace is the perfection of joy. Peace is the fruit that comes when the soul experiences joy in fullness. Get, um, John 15:11. "These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. To experience this peace that passes understanding, it is not enough to remove exterior obstacles to peace, because most disturbances actually do not come from others, but from within our own souls. Um, And I have a quote by Luis Martinez Peace is the complement and perfection of joy It not only delivers the soul From the fretful trouble of exterior things But it calms the inner fluctuations Of its desires And marvelously disposes and unifies its affections Thus it makes our heart single In its triumphant love Which then has complete mastery over our being And if you just think of Psalm 23, right? Walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear nothing, right? Deep peace, right? In that place, even in the midst of exterior difficulty, right? The Lord brings that deep peace and joy. Um, It even says in that psalm, right? The head gets anointed with oil, right? Oil of joy. So, yeah, right there in Psalm 23. Um, page four, I'll quickly run through this last page. Um, the fourth fruit is long suffering or patience. Patience is serenity in pain. Okay. That's why it's called long suffering. (laughs) Patience is love that suffers. This virtue is one that makes us be able to face evil and endure anguish and convert this pain into consolation. The Holy Spirit gives us this fruit in our sufferings, including suffering where the soul is heartsick because of deferred expectations of good things to come, right? When we're waiting on the Lord. Every person is forced to wait, the soul cannot reach maturity on the run. The process of growth is slow and it cannot be hurried. It is necessary to wait. But the waiting is painful because the desire for the end goal is so strong. It is so painful to wait. However, the Holy Spirit fortifies the soul with hope while waiting. And um, there's so many examples of this, but Hebrews 11 um, with Abraham is one example, right? It says... By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham waited all his life for promises. And guess what? He died waiting. He did not see the promises he was waiting for. Look at verse 13. It says, "These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them and confessed that we're strangers and pilgrims on the earth." Isn't that crazy? Waiting can go into eternity. It doesn't mean God wasn't faithful. In fact, he gave them a consolation of hope in their spirit. They were assured he is going to do this. So they could go to their death with the peace of that kind of waiting. Amazing. Um, The fifth and sixth fruits, goodness and kindness. Goodness is the desire to do good to all. Kindness is the execution of that desire. In the desire to do good to all and carrying out this wish produces a profound consolation of the holy spirit. Goodness brings joy even in the world. It is good people who are happy. Right? Those who show kindness to all of them around all around them. The seeds they sow they also reap and we can all think of people who are that way. You know? They they just are Goodness and kindness oozes out of some people at high levels. My grandma was one of those on my mom's side. She was so full of goodness and kindness. Her goodness and kindness that she had in Christ was such an overflow, it affected the entire region she lived in. Hundreds of people came to her funeral (laughs) because of that. And she lived in this little farm town, you know? But it was that kind of just overflow Look at the quote here from Luis Martinez. In the eyes of the Christian, every man is Christ. For Christ himself said to us, as long as you did it for one of these, the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. Right? Our neighbor then is Jesus. This poor, ignorant, and if you will, perverse neighbor is Jesus. He has something divine in him. Even when he has fallen into the bog and become soiled, he is a jewel, and a jewel does not lose its value because it has been dropped into the mud. Each one of our fellow men is Jesus. And when with God's help we understand this, our hearts grow larger and larger, and we want to do good to all men, because all men are Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, what I mean by that is like, example, Mother Teresa, right? If you read her biography, she says that she didn't feel God for 50 years. Mm -hmm. She had no uh, consolation that way. However, when she would go out to the street and help a poor person, pick them up off the ground, you know, feed them, do kindness and goodness, Um, she would have the encounter with Jesus in that poor person. She would see Jesus' eyes through them. And she knew she was serving Jesus. And that was her encounter with Jesus. It wasn't like... The feelings of, oh, I feel God. It was, I'm going out in that street again because I I see Jesus in every one of these people. And that's my encounter. So powerful. And so when we begin to see, and that's why it's not okay that millions of babies are aborted. Right? They're Jesus, right? In the sense of he has made them in his image, right? Each person. So value, the highest value is in each person. Um, the seventh and eighth fruits, faithfulness and gentleness. Even as the soul desires to carry out the desire to do good to all, opposition lurks, right? Even from other souls who would try to block this effort. The natural reaction to this is anger, even a righteous anger. However, seeds sown in anger can easily be turned into hatred, where sin is crouching at the door. So, contrary to anger is the fruit of gentleness and meekness. Right? Blessed are the meek, for they shall possess the earth. This virtue of meekness, which seems so difficult, has the power to gain the earth, and to do it not by violence. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Right? Faithfulness also goes with these other virtues that pertain to the relationships with people. To desire to do good to them, to be gentle with them, not putting out the smoldering wick, and also to be loyal to them brings about a total fruitfulness in our relationships with others. So that's why Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Or, you know, if someone speaks something... uh, Negative to you, you go in the opposite spirit and speak something good to them, right? That's how you overcome. You overcome evil with good. Uh, the ninth fruit is self-control. Self-control is a fruit whereby the soul has learned how to let the Holy Spirit order the soul, particularly in the area of the passions. Okay, to bridle the passions on the surface level feels like slavery, right? Right? Indeed, it's like taking up our cross. However, the truth is that it's not slavery at all, but it's in fact freedom from slavery. The soul that's carried along by the passions is actually in slavery to them. He who possesses freedom from these passions and has mastered his soulish desires has the great joy of liberty or freedom. The saint who has denied himself and has a lifestyle of carrying his cross daily is one who carries heavenly treasures without measure on the interior and has a spiritual life of the fullness of Christ on the inside, bearing all the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So much joy accompanies this soul that has mastered his flesh in this way. Divine joys, exceedingly sweet consolations, and expansion of our hearts all anticipate The eternal kingdom. It's heaven on the inside of the soul. Okay? So we don't know what we can get in God. Right? Otherwise, we would so detach from the world. We'd be like, I'm putting away these movies, these videos, these whatever is distracting us. Right? I'm putting this away because I can encounter Him. And if we only knew what we could get, right? By going up into the heavenlies, encountering Him in our innermost being, like there is an exchange that is far beyond what our earthly passions, you know. They lead us astray because we go after the earthly passions, right? And it's the satisfaction is very short. You know, sin only satisfies a little bit, and then it leaves you wanting, right? Just ugh. but God eternally satisfies and so when we begin to encounter him in this way it's like we become so free so joyful so full of him so wanting to be poured out um we're not mastered by anything we're just we're we're his and so that's that's where we're going that's what we're going after Um, so the last message, I'm going to start to get into the Beatitudes, um, because it's really the culmination of all of this that we've been talking about, and so I don't know if it'll take me one or two messages, but, um, that's where this kind of ends up. It ends up in the Beatitudes, so I hope this is feeding your souls, um, a little bit anyways, and... Let's go ahead and close up in prayer, and then we'll have the worship team um, come up. Lord, I just want to pray for each of us, God, that we would eat and eat the Word. We would eat and drink you, Lord. Eat and drink Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And we would, we would get um, expanded in our inner man. we get excited about what can we have in Christ. How can we go after you more? How can I give myself to you more, Lord? Um, Lord, I just pray, and it I just pray that we can all um, go to the next level with you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.